So we, we lit this candle on the wreath today, and the candle that we lit represents hope, just like the banner says here, right? And so Christmas season is here, and Christmas time is a time for hope, right? What do you think? Do you guys have things that you're hoping for? You can talk into here. You want to talk into here and hear how loud you sound? Not that. <laughs> no, nobody's going to take me up on that one. All right. So, but I bet you guys are hoping for all kinds of things for Christmas, right? Uh-huh. And uh, how about that gift that you just need to have this year? Do you have one of those on your list? Or, and it's like so important, right? That's the one. That's the one that you need. Do you have one like that, Ben? Or? Still thinking about it, okay. So, but you know, really, no matter what gift it is, and, and I'm going to talk later about a gift that I wanted when I was a kid. I'm going to tell a story to the adults about that. But whatever that gift is, um, you know, really, it's not really something that we can't live without, is it? Nah, not really. Um, the kinds of hope that I want to talk to the adults about today are hope that actually changes our lives and things that we really can't get through life without. Um, hope in times of desperation. You see, without hope, life would just sort of be a series of difficult situations and they'd be kind of meaningless and well, eventually you'd just grow old and go home, right? So, but Israel, the land where Jesus lived, was in a desperate situation 2,000 years ago. Their country was conquered by Rome. And they couldn't live the way they wanted to live because a foreign country ruled over them. Israel's prophet, you know what a prophet is? A prophet is somebody that speaks for God. So they get a message from God and they give it to the people, right? Israel's prophets for 800 years had been telling the people in Israel that someday God would send one that would comfort Israel and bring with him hope and peace and joy and love. A chosen man or a Messiah or Christ. That's what Jesus' name really means, the chosen man. Um, that a God-man actually was coming. And we believe that God fulfilled this promise when he sent Jesus to be born in a manger in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. So that's the hope that I want to talk about with the adults today. A little bit more than our Christmas list, right? All right, why don't we go back and I can have a conversation with the big people. How's that? <laughs> Thank you, guys. Stay there. <laughs> so may the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord. For me... As I'm sure for many of you, Christmas brings back memories of 
childhood hope and ecstasy as you wait for that special gift. And I have a story. There, there once was a young boy who had a special thing that he wanted for Christmas. Actually, he wanted a 22, a little shot, a little gun for Christmas. And he'd wished for this, and he'd been an especially good boy, hoping that his parents would bless him with that gift. And it was sort of a need-to-have gift at the time because his friends had these things, and, you know, living out in the country, it was a, a good gift, he thought. And... Uh, he couldn't wait, so he got out of bed early Christmas morning and went down and looked under the Christmas tree, and there under the tree was a box about 30 inches long and about an inch and a half high, and it was pointy at one end and broader at the other, and he thought, yes. And he went back to bed with the hope that his new toy would be there. And so when the time came to open gifts, he opened every gift other than that one first because he was so excited about what he got. And well, then he opened that one finally and it turned out to be an umbrella. Okay, so for many of us, this, or for many, actually not so many of us, but for many in Israel at the time that Jesus was born, the gift of that Messiah was a similar gift. You see, it fit in the right box, but it wasn't what the people expected. They didn't realize that Isaiah 9-2 had been fulfilled in their midst. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Some 800 years passed from the time that Isaiah penned those words, and a man named Simeon had the audacity to believe that in his lifetime, God would come through. And Simeon received a promise from God that he would live long enough to see the Messiah. And as we heard in today's gospel reading, Simeon did indeed live long enough to see the baby Jesus. So now, this week that just passed, we celebrated Thanksgiving, and this, you know, at least for me, and I think for probably many of us, is a time when the true anticipation of Christmas really begins. The decorations go up, the lights get hung, soon we'll go hunt for a tree, uh, the Christmas music begins playing, and we look forward to the holiday. For some, we recall that glee that we experienced as a child at Christmas. And maybe if we've been able to, maybe we've been able to recapture that joy in giving as an adult rather than receiving. Our anticipation ought to remind us of the long hoped for Christ. We no longer live in a world that doesn't know that salvation and that cure for brokenness. Can you imagine that world? But because Christ has come, uh, we don't have to live in that world. So let our anticipation of the season remind us of the new hope that we've already received. But first, what is this hope? We use the word hope so often, it's just become wishful thinking. I hope the eagles win. I hope the tree fits. I hope the lights didn't burn out. 
I hope it snows. I hope the kids enjoy their presents. I hope the party's good. You know, but scriptural understanding of hope is not so trivial. Uh, from 1 Peter 1, just a little bit further along than our epistle reading this morning, we understand that our hope isn't just for the future, but that our hope has actually already arrived. We're to, we're to go out and go in hope. Actually, the old words in 1 Peter go something like this, gird up your loins and go. So now, gird up your loins is kind of a, an expression from that time and place. See, men, like maybe you've seen pictures of Jesus in his flowing garment that went down to his ankles. That was common dress for men in the day. To gird up your loins was to take the bottom of essentially your skirt, I guess, and pull it up and tuck it into your belt so that you could run without ripping the seam out in the bottom of your, your attire, right? So what Peter's actually suggesting when he says, gird up your loins and go, is that we should run in this new hope. Not just, eh, I guess I can eek by, right? Um, you see, our hope is a certainty about the future that's supposed to impact right now, today in the present. It isn't just some ambiguous optimism for no reason. Our hope is set in a specific series of events that's already happened in history, the birth and, and ministry of Jesus, and eventually his death and resurrection. Uh, our hope is about living right now in light of these events, in light of the promise of God's salvation and the restoration of the world. Our hope impacts how we ought to look at the world today. Sure, we see the problems, and we're not expected to be naive about them, but we know that God is in control. His plan is being worked to completion, and it will come to pass. And we know only God can make this world what it ought to be. And we know, come what may, we are his, and our salvation is certain. Now, there once was a man that hated the fall time of year. Every time fall came around, he just thought about all those leaves he'd have to rake up. And he knew that every time he raked them up, they'd just blow right back again to where they were. And he just felt like his efforts were so futile and frustrating. And it really brought him down for a season. But one year, his wife decided to schedule a yard man to come and take care of the leaves. The man was now free from the frustration of having to do the job and redo the job. He could hope in the yard man. Now, this story, you know, it demonstrates sort of the hope that we're expected to have. But, you know, how much more? Because Jesus was far more than just a yard man come to take care of the leaves. So secondly, that story notwithstanding, our hope is birthed out of a deep longing and a deep need, deeper than just leaves blowing across our yard. Who was this Simeon that we just heard of in the gospel? You know, Luke says he was a righteous man. Simeon waited in the temple for something very special. 
He was waiting on the consolation of Israel. That consolation is kind of a big word. Kids, it means uh, encouragement and comfort, by the way. Uh, And Israel needed such encouragement and comfort deeply. For 600 years prior to Simeon, Israel had been overrun by and destroyed by her enemies, the Assyrians, then the Babylonians, then Persians, then Greeks, and then finally the Romans. Times were difficult, but Israel had a promise. Consolation was coming through a Messiah. The Greek word that Luke uses actually for Simeon's waiting um, is prosodekamai. Uh, It's the kind of waiting that requires deep introspection, a soul-searching kind of waiting. It actually insinuates waiting so long it's painful to wait. That's the hope that Simeon, uh, or the waiting that Simeon was doing, and his hope was birthed out of that introspection. The deep need for God's comfort, what only God could provide. About 80 years ago, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a German theologian that lived during the Third Reich, uh, once said, the only ones that can truly celebrate Advent are people who carry restlessness within their souls, whose souls give them no peace. Those who know that they're poor and incomplete and those who sense the need for something great that is supposed to come. During these weeks leading up to Christmas, perhaps we should do some soul searching as well. Maybe we ought to consider how deep our need for God really is. God is what we need not the perfect yard display, not the prettiest Christmas tree or the best holiday party or even the best gifts. Only God can fulfill the longings of our hearts, not stress-inducing human senses of need that send us on on our next meaningless task, find that tree, put it up, only to tear it down a month later. These are mere distractions from what's truly important. Rather, the coming of Christ into our lives, God's comfort and healing, his hope, his peace, joy, and love, which we'll talk about over the next few weeks. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Thirdly, our hope is found in a person. Our hope is set in Jesus Christ. It isn't in our own abilities It's not in some gift. It's not in our wealth or our job or our 401k. It isn't in a good medical report, and it isn't in a president. Our hope is in Jesus Christ, his cure for brokenness and his salvation. The Gospels are filled with stories who didn't, I'm sorry, stories of people who didn't recognize Jesus as the Messiah. He wasn't the worldly warrior king who would defeat Rome and set Israel free that they'd expected. But how, then, did Simeon get it right? When Simeon saw one-month-old baby Jesus, he recognized him right away as God's anointed. How did Simeon get it right when so many got it wrong? In short, because most people just weren't looking for that sort of Messiah. 
They weren't looking for what Jesus Christ was. How many of us today are looking in the wrong direction? It's sure easy to do. It's easy to see the problems of the world and prescribe human solutions to them. But the cure for our world doesn't lie in our politics or leadership. We can't expect the president to get this job done. It's a job only Jesus or, and the Lord can do. The people in Jesus' day weren't much different from us. They were looking for a better king, not a tiny baby who would never attempt to exert political power over Rome, but instead would give himself up to crucifixion upon a Roman cross. A cure far superior, though, than any of the people had hoped or anticipated. You see, the people who missed Jesus then, as they miss him today, do so because of misplaced expectations. But Simeon had a different hope. His hope was placed in the fulfillment of God's promises. Anything else would just result in the same old world with the same old frustrations. This Christmas season, let us realize that we've already received the greatest gift imaginable, the one that ultimately cures the world's problems, the one that gives us salvation, the one only available from God. And it came as a person, Jesus Christ. There's a difference between being hopeful for something versus being hopeful in someone. In conclusion, at this Christmas time, we can face our deepest longings and needs because there's one source from whom we can draw hope. That's Jesus Christ.